You are listening to Rumination Tuesday Law and Gospel with Tom Baker and Mark Smith. And we're taking a look at a hymn again. Praise the one who breaks the darkness. Let's listen to that. the darkness. Some people wonder, should we be singing contemporary hymns? Well, this is a contemporary hymn. In fact, the pastor who wrote it was born in 1955. His name is Rusty Edwards. And in 1986, he decided to write a Bible study on the human life of Jesus. After considering that the theology behind the story often received more attention than the story itself, this is what he wrote. This study would look at the life and unique ministry of Jesus. I wanted people to get closer to Jesus. We would ask the question, what on earth did Jesus really do? I began with the Gospel of Mark but then continue with the three other Gospels. As I prayed, studied, and thanked God for the life of Jesus, I began to write down some of his works. The list grew longer. Suddenly, I gazed down at the list, and the list almost looked like a hymn. As the realization struck that a hymn was beginning to form, Edward set aside the Bible study and began to compose what would become what you just heard. Praise the one who breaks the darkness. It's a hymn celebrating the marvelous works of the incarnate Jesus. And it's a specific hymn used for this Sunday, the Sunday where we are coming up to, which is 
September the 12th. It's the 16th Sunday after Pentecost. So, it's a hymn, and I'm wondering whether Mark Smith plays it very often or uses it. Uh, it's uh, yeah, Tom. It's it's a good hymn. We'll probably use it this this Sunday. It's it's the appointed hymn of uh, of this coming Sunday, and uh, it's it's a good hymn. It's not one of my favorites. I don't, you know, it's funny. I don't know if I think of this as a, as really a contemporary hymn, but you know, it is interesting that the hymn writer was born two years after I was. So that makes him, I guess, fairly contemporary. Um, it's a it's a good hymn, and and yeah, we'll probably use it probably use it uh, to open the the service with. Uh, yes, I'm going to use it to close the service. Because it depends, in fact, it's a, a hymn that really fits well with the Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 50. Uh-huh. Because what that does, it really talks about the sufferings of Jesus Christ and what happened to him on the cross. And... That's what I find interesting. This is from Isaiah chapter 50. It's not a New Testament, but an Old Testament. So it's going to be fun to preach on that. Sure. So without further ado, would you read the first stanza? Praise the one who breaks the darkness with a liberating light. Praise the one who frees the prisoners turning blindness into sight. Praise the one who preached the gospel, healing every dread disease, calming storms and feeding thousands with the very bread of peace. So if this was a hymn based on the historical events of Jesus Christ, we really need to look at each section to see what historical event he's talking about. Praise the one who breaks the darkness and the example he gives with a liberating light. What Bible verse comes to mind there? Well, I think I think of the Old Testament. <laughs> you know, the, yep. Jesus Jesus was back there at the beginning too. You know, yes, uh, the pre-incarnate Lord was back there with the Father and with the Spirit, and let there be light, and there was light. Yes. In fact, before the sun was created, right. Jesus created the light. That's in Genesis chapter 1. And the first three verses talk about the Holy Trinity. What the Father created, the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the waters, and Jesus created light. See, a lot of people want to believe in evolution because the sun wasn't created till later. But they don't realize that the light of Jesus was sufficient for the creation of the earth. Yeah, the light from above, which is, of course, the, uh, the motto for our dear alma mater, Concordia Seminary, the light from above. Oh, yes. That's right. Then... Praise the one 
who frees the prisoners and he gives an example, turning blindness into sight. How's that freeing the prisoners? Well, if you're bound by darkness, uh, you, you know, now I've met, I've met blind people, people who are blind that, uh, you know, that think they do pretty well, even without sight and feel pretty independent, uh, themselves. But, uh, you could just imagine what that must be like not to have any sight and, uh, you know, you are bound uh, by, you know, darkness, at least to some extent that, you you know, you, you don't have quite the independence that, that seeing people have. But uh, uh, but that's a liberating light just to be able to see. Yes, I, I often imagine of all the senses to lose, that would be the worst one. Oh, yeah. You couldn't read the Bible. You couldn't right. read many of the texts. Now, with the Internet, there are ways in which to vocalize what is on the screen. That is true. So the trouble is, when I read a book, I often underline parts. Yeah, that's right. And therefore, I can go back to them and discover, really, for example, are you aware of the Concordia Journal? just came out with an article and it was talking about that pastors, yes, we need to talk theology, but we also need to listen to our people to see what their everyday theology is. That and is that true. Was a great article. Can you distinguish between biblical theology and everyday theology? Well, everyday theology, I would think the person is talking about the practical application in our day-to-day -day lives. And how they understand it. Right. Uh, for example, in the article, one example was a woman who goes to church every Sunday, takes communion, and then rushes home to, to see what those things say about her future life, looking at her horoscope, trying to figure out what is the will of God for my life, not through the Bible, but through the horoscope. That's everyday yeah. theology. Everyday yeah. <laughs> theology basically comes from the old Adam. And that's why I said to the congregation Sunday, you need to be in church because there are insights in the Bible that a layman doesn't recognize because they don't know the Hebrew, the Greek, oftentimes law and gospel, they're unaware of the culture of Jesus' day. And that's why you need a pastor who's trained in theology. But the article says a pastor really needs to know his people. What are there everyday theologies so that when you preach, you're touching on those also? I agree. So, it, in fact, I've heard, I've heard that millennials today, you talk about the millennial generation, that they, they see themselves as being very spiritual and yet not, and yet not uh, biblical. 
not well, not tied to any church denomination. Uh, right. Not every day, not every Sunday going church churchgoers. Uh, that's kind of what I think of when they say spiritual. I think of that everyday theology that they're into. Very good. That's a great example. And that's why so much of the morality in this country is against the Bible, because they're trying to think, what is the spirit telling me rather than what is God telling me? Right. So a person who is blind, and the best example of that would be, of course, the man born blind in the Bible, John chapter 9. And he's excommunicated from the synagogue because he professes Jesus as the Christ. And Jesus admits to him, yes, I am the one that you are looking for. And Jesus then turns to the Pharisees and they say, are we blind also? And he says, because you say we see you are blind. Yeah, because that's right. what you are seeing is not proper. Yeah, he really puts them in their pl- proper place. Yeah, Pharisees. Well, yeah, that's a great that's a great chapter. The uh, uh, the healing of that man born blind. It doesn't take long for Rusty Edwards to talk about the main item of Jesus preaching: praise the one who preached the gospel. Now, what do we understand as the gospel? The gospel is is all of all of God's promises in Jesus Christ. Exactly, and that was a message that people needed to hear. You bet. Healing every dread disease. It, it's really quite interesting when you read the Bible that many people came to Jesus and he healed them of every dread disease. And can you think of an example? Well, uh, leprosy in those days, leprosy was uh, like living death. Yes. So he is Lord over the human body. And then we discover in the next phrase, he's Lord over creation. Right. Calming the storms and feeding thousands. What incidents come to mind? Well, I think of uh, the uh, stilling of the storm out on the the Sea of Galilee with his disciples in the boat. Uh, And I also think of uh, the feeding of the the 5,000. And then there was another event where he fed the 4,000. And that was just counting men, you know, probably much more than 5,000 or 4,000, you know, probably uh, thousands more. And fed yes. them with just a few uh, few loaves of bread and a few small fish. Exactly. And see, what Edwards is trying to do is remind people of the history of Jesus. He ends the first stanza with the very bread of peace. What's he referring to? Well, he's talking about he's talking there about the gospel. Yes. What does Jesus say? I am the bread of I am the bread of life. Right. And whoever eats me and drinks my blood has salvation. So we can understand doing a Bible study on the history 
of Jesus because this first verse does a good job. All right. I'll read verse 2. Praise the one who blessed the children with a strong yet gentle word. Praise the one who drove out demons with a piercing two-edged sword. Praise the one who brings cool water to the desert's burning sand. From this well comes living water, quenching thirst in every land. All right. What comes to mind with blessing the children with a strong yet gentle word? Well, it obviously uh, pictures baptism. Uh, and, and Jesus says, let the little children come unto me and forbid them not. Uh, I, if you ask for me for just one word, for instance, or, or one statement, that Jesus would say to the little child, you are mine. You are my, you are my blood-bought uh, child. You're an, you're an heir of heaven. Yes. And he also says, whoever offends one of these little ones is in big trouble. Yeah. And he, he adds to that, whoever offends these little ones who believe in me, which yes. reminds us that even these little baptized infants, these little suckling infants, have, have living faith by virtue of their baptism. They, they believe in Jesus. Yes. And so it's quite nonsensical not to baptize a newborn child. Right. Then Very praise the one. Very important infant baptism. I, I yeah. really strongly urge it. As soon as that little, as soon as possible after birth, get that little one baptized because you're you're plucking them. You're 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 plucking them out of uh, Satan's clutches and placing them safely in the kingdom of God. Yes, from the kingdom of Satan to the right. kingdom of God. Right. Then, in a sense. Baptism is also a driving out of demons. Right. In fact, in fact, uh, Luther, in his, uh, when he put together his order of baptism, he had what he called the little, uh, what's that? What's the when you cast out demons? Little, little exorcism. Exorcism. Where we, ask, yeah. where we ask the child, do you renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways? And we ask the sponsors to answer in his behalf. That's that's a, you could say that's a little exorcism. Now praise the one who draw, drove out demons with a piercing two-edged sword. What sword did Jesus use? He used the the law and the gospel. Right. The, the two-edged two-edged sword is the law and the gospel of the word the word of God. The spirit is gladius, as it is in in uh, in Latin. The sword of the spirit. And that is when Paul is talking about the armor of a Christian. All of them are defensive, the breastplate of righteousness, etc., except the sword, which is the offensive weapon that Jesus used when he was tempted by the devil and that he used to cast out demons. Then we get, praise the one who brings cool water to the desert's burning sand. What does that remind you of? Well, that reminds me of uh, Isaiah again, or the, the Old Testament reading. Is that for this Sunday, or was that for last Sunday? I think it was last Sunday where it talks, he makes the desert a pool. 
uh, streams flowing in the desert. Remember That's right. that? W- wasn't that the Old Testament reading for this past Sunday? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. And it reminds us when the people came to Moses complaining that they were thirsty, what did God have Moses do? He had him uh, strike a rock. Yep. And and from that rock flowed plenty of water. Yes. Let's see, what was the name? What was the name of that era uh, area? It was uh, what did they call it? Mara. I'm not no. remembering that. Yeah. But from this well comes living water, quenching thirst in every land. What's the living water? Living water is the gospel. Yeah, and Jesus. That wells, wells up unto eternal life. It's the same water he was talking about to the, the Samaritan woman at the well. Yes, well said. Stanza three, please. Let us praise the word incarnate, Christ who suffered in our place. Jesus died and rose victorious that we may know God by grace. Let us sing for joy and gladness, seeing what our God has done. Let us praise the true Redeemer, praise the one who makes us one. So, one of the first items he talks about in this verse is that God became incarnate. What does that mean? He, he took on human flesh, the incarnate word, uh, God himself, Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, took on human flesh when he was conceived in the womb of his mother Mary. And he did that with the second part of that verse. Why? Yeah, let's see. Second part of that verse. Oh, so he could rise, so he could, so he could die. You know, yes. He had, to, he had to take on human flesh so he could suffer and die for us, for all the world. Excellent. Excellent. Yes, because as God, he wouldn't be hungry, he wouldn't be tired, he wouldn't be able to die. But in his state of humiliation, as having humanity, he was able to become our substitute. That's what it means, Christ who suffered in our place. In other words, he took upon himself our sins. And then what happened, according to the next line, after his crucifixion? Okay, he uh, rose victorious. Yes. Jesus died and rose victorious. So that we we might know God. By grace. Should I ask you what that means? (laughs) <laughs> Why not, Tom? Put me on the spot again. <laughs> yes. Let's see. Grace is receiving what we don't deserve. Excellent. Right? Yes. Okay. And mercy is? Re- not receiving what we deserve. Exactly. And that Jesus was able to do because he died for our sins, and therefore our sins are paid for. If you don't think your sin is paid for, you don't believe that Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, that's right, because it is finished. Every every last sin that was ever committed and ever will be committed has been atoned by him in his death. It is finished. So what is the response? 
the next uh, line. Let's see. Let us sing. Oh, let us sing for joy and gladness, seeing what our God has done. Absolutely. We have we have every reason to rejoice. That's really what worship is all about. That's right. Singing for joy because of what Jesus has done. And we praise the true Redeemer, praise the one who makes us one. Right. What does that mean? Well, uh, the, the one who makes us one with the Father. He's reconciled yes. us to the Father. Exactly. And we are adopted into the family of God. Boy, unfortunately, we're at the end. We could say more. We need more time, even with a three-verse. Praise the one who breaks the darkness. So, we're going to be taking a look tomorrow at an example of, once more, a apparent contradiction in the Bible. We'll discuss that on Wednesday. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.